You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Hello. Getting our handouts handed out. I just suddenly kind of realized as I'm sitting there enjoying the video, ah, the Baileys weren't here tonight. They usually kind of are on top of that and... So, getting those passed out to you. Hey, um, while you're doing that, um, let me just kind of mention again, um, if you're new here tonight, um, there, there's a couple of resources out there, and I should have brought maybe them in, but they're out on the table there. Um, one is on the Healing Promises uh, by Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. It's an awesome book. It's, there's, there's no, um, they're not putting any of their writings into that, all they're giving you is healing scriptures, actual scriptures. And I think they give it from like five or six different translations. So if one translation seems kind of odd or doesn't make sense to you, there's another translation that hopefully will give illumination uh, into that word for you. So those are out there on the table. Also, uh, the book Christ the Healer. Um, A lot of what I'm talking about um, in here. you'll find maybe worded differently, a different slant to it, but, but it's an awesome resource that will really kind of help solidify a lot of what you're learning. Because I commend you, you know, coming and, and sitting in this, especially if this is something that's new to you, um, there's a lot of people that, that hear this and just run the other way. Um, so I commend you, if this is, you know, if this is moving furniture for you, or this is kind of a new concept, or maybe it's an old concept and you're coming back into it again, I just commend you for, for sticking with it, for pressing in, because this is what we got to do. We got to press in on this stuff. Um, we got to contend sometimes for our healing, and sometimes that comes as we just sit under the teaching. You know, oftentimes when when F.F. Bosworth um, would teach this, um, or Catherine Kuhlman, who had a huge healing ministry, a lot of times it was very, very important for them before they would begin to pray for people, they wanted them to sit under the teaching of the word on healing because they wanted to be able to speak into people. They wanted to build their faith for, for healing. And so it's so important sometimes just to sit under the teaching just ask God, God, open the eyes of my heart. Give me understanding. Illuminate what we're, what we're talking about here. Um, and, and tonight, we're going to need that illumination. Um, j- just because we're going to talk about something that it, it's, a little, it's a little deep to understand. So those books are out there. Um, also, I, I, di- I put a handout out there. It's, it's, it's brand new. It hasn't been on the table before. And it's on dying to self. Now, I don't know about you guys, but... That is an issue that I struggle with all the time, dying to self. And uh, oftentimes when we talk about that, it's really kind of hard to explain what it is. And, you know, if you're really pursuing dying to self, what does that look like? I mean, are there practical steps that we can be doing or taking uh, to, to die to self? And so there's a great article out there uh, that I put out there. It's free. Um, so if you get it and you don't like it, we're giving your money back. How's that? So that's out there tonight. So if you want to grab one of those on the way out tonight, that would be great too. Let me kind of just set the stage for you uh, tonight. I-, I was reading in Scripture 
um, I think it was either Monday or yesterday, I don't remember what, but um, I, I was in the uh, book of Luke, and I think we talked about the scripture where, you remember when they brought the man on the stretcher, and, and Jesus said to take up your pallet, you know, go home, and then the Pharisees are all outraged because, um, you know, Jesus basically said, you know, your sins are forgiven, take up your pallet and go home, and they were like, oh man, and so Jesus said, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to take up your pallet and go home, and uh, at the very, very end, the, the man takes up his pallet and he walks out. Now, this is what is so Cool. It says, immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been laying on, and went home glorifying God. Now, if you read this at the beginning of the story, he was not glorifying God when they brought him in. I want you to know, he wasn't. People normally who are sick or filled with disease, they will glorify God more in their healing than they will in their sickness. Now, people say, well, you know, can't God be glorified in my sickness and my disease? Yes, but I will tell you, he is much more glorified in your healing. Now listen to this. So he gets up and he went home glorifying God. And then this, these are the people who were around. Look at what their reaction was. They were all struck with astonishment. That's what healing is designed to do. It is to cause you to glorify God, to fall more in love with him, and for those who witness your healing to be struck with astonishment at the goodness, the kindness, the mercy of God. And that's what happened. They were all struck with astonishment and began, not continued, they started glorifying God. That's what healing does. It's the greatest evangelistic tool in the New Testament church. When people start getting healed, people begin glorifying God. That is why healing is so important. It's important for the people who need healing. It's important for us who need our faith built and, and just increased in seeing what God is doing amongst us. That is my prayer tonight is that God would meet us in such a way tonight. And I believe he's started just in the worship tonight, but that we would walk out of here tonight having encountered God in such a way that we would be struck with just astonishment at the goodness and the mercy of God. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for your power, your presence here tonight. And God, for whatever in me needs to die to self, to get out of the way, to allow you to move in power and in your presence tonight, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just allow that. God, you would bring me to that place, God, where I just die to self. That, God, I just come to that place of, of, of weakness, the end of myself. And in that, God, I just ask, Lord, that you would step in and that, God, your power would be perfected in my weakness. Father, I pray tonight as we, again, just encounter your heart. God, tonight as we just encounter your goodness and your mercy, God, I pray, Lord, that we would just be struck with astonishment at how marvelous, how wonderful, how miraculous, and how awesome you really are. So, God, would you just meet us? In our place of need, God, would you just meet us wherever we may be at tonight?
For some, that may just be, they haven't been Christians for long. Maybe there are people here tonight and they're just seekers. They really don't know what to think or to believe about you. So God, would you meet them in a way, God, that would just leave them awestruck. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would again just bring illumination, open hearts here tonight, give revelation into your word. God, that we can begin to step out in faith and in trust based upon your word. That God, we would inherit not just some, but all of your promises that are already yes and amen so that you get the glory. And so Father, we just thank you for that here tonight. We just ask that you would move in our presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we've kind of talked about, and I've alluded to this, that there really are far more healing miracles that actually occurred than are recorded in the Bible. As a matter of fact, in John's gospel, at the very end of John's gospel, he makes this very interesting observation about the life, the ministry of Jesus Christ upon the earth. And there he said this, he said, Jesus also did many other things. And he said, if all of the things that Jesus did were written down, he said, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that could or would be written. So based off of that, John's saying, there are so many things that Jesus did, so many miracles Jesus performed, we can't record all of them because there's no room in the world to contain all that would need to be written to record, to record it. And yet, the ones that are recorded, I contend each one of those healing miracles that, that were specifically written for our benefit is really to teach us and to give us additional insight into that whole piece of, of healing. The whole issue of divine healing has many, many aspects. You can't just look at one healing and understand the totality of, of healing. There's a lot that we need to look at. We, we need to look at, at healing from a lot of different viewpoints. And each of the healing miracles that Jesus did, it gives us a different window to look in to say, ah, there's something more I learned about healing through this particular one. So as you study each of the healing miracles of Jesus, God just begins to unveil. He just begins to peel back more and more about divine healing and how we can receive and just begin to walk in that for ourselves. And the key is, are we willing to pursue it? And you being here tonight, it's your yes. I am willing. God, teach me. Open the eyes of my heart. Give me understanding and revelation. The challenge is, here's the thing. Until we know the revealed will of God pertaining to any spiritual issue, there is nothing to put our faith into. You ever thought about that? Let me give you a spiritual principle that is important to remember and to understand. Faith can only go as far as your knowledge of the Word of God. Your faith can only go as deep as your knowledge of the Word of God. For example, if you don't know what the Word of God says regarding salvation, how can you have faith for it? How can you believe it? Now, with a, a gal this week, 
who was here wanting to have a baby baptized. And one of the first questions we asked them in that um, ceremony of baptism is, do you confess your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I didn't know her. I never met her. So I paused and I said to her, what would be your response to that? Just this deer in the headlight, look. She said, I don't know. I said, I've been where you've been. I've had that question put to me. She said, let me just take this opportunity and let me just give you the good news of the gospel. And so I just laid it out before her. And you can just see the light bulbs going on in her head. See, before that question, she didn't have faith for her salvation because she didn't have any understanding pertaining to what the word of God said regarding her salvation. When I began to speak the word into her and began to plant those seeds of salvation, all of a sudden now the potential for her to have faith in that has increased. So again, your revelation Faith can only go as deep as your revelation in the word of God. So again, if you don't know what the word says regarding healing, it's going to be very, very difficult to have the kind of faith that's going to bring forth fruit in the realm of healing. If I don't know what the word of God has to say regarding salvation, regarding healing, regarding prosperity, I mean, you name the issue. If I don't know what the word of God says regarding that, it's going to really be very difficult, if not impossible, to have faith for that particular promise. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as I hear what the word of God says regarding a particular issue, I can begin to have faith for what it says. So faith comes when I know what the word of God says regarding a particular issue. So when it comes to divine healing, the subject we're looking at tonight, until you know and believe in your heart that it is God's will to heal you. Based upon not what I say, not on my experience, not what any of you say, not on any of your experiences, but solely based upon what the word of God says, there is nothing concretely to put your faith into. I don't want you putting your faith in my word. I don't want you putting your faith in my healing. I don't want you putting your faith in anyone's word, anyone's healing, anyone's experience out there. I want you putting your faith regarding healing in what the word of God says. What happens so often when it comes to divine healing is we try to operate out of a faith for healing that is not based on what the word of God says. It may be based upon our past experiences. It may be based on what someone else says or teaches, but it's not based upon the word of God. And because of that, oftentimes we will not have the kind of faith that pleases God, the kind of faith that moves his heart in any particular area of our life. 
your faith, what you believe about any spiritual issue has to line up. It's gotta come in agreement with the word of God and what it says in order for it to be biblical. And I, I'm gonna, I, we're gonna get into this whole thing, what is, what is faith? I mean, there, there is such a thing as having faith that is not biblical faith. And a lot of people have faith in a lot of things that are not biblical. And so they have a lot of the wrong kind of faith. I said to somebody a couple of weeks ago, you know, it just takes a little I think Jesus said the size of a mustard seed. That is tiny. But if that's but that tiny, if it's biblical, if it's based on the word of God, it doesn't matter how big the faith is. Jesus said, if you've got faith that's biblical in line with the word of God and it's no bigger than a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move and that mountain is going to be moved it only takes a little of the right kind of faith to move God a lot of times we just think oh if I just have faith and I hear people talk about what their faith is in and it's not biblical and I don't care how much of that faith you have if it's not based on the word of God, it's not going to produce anything. So I want to get into Healing Miracle of Matthew 8. It is one of the more interesting stories to me involving the healing miracles of Jesus. And there are certain times in scripture, I don't know about you, but where you kind of just hit on something and it says a lot. So I say right up front, I think for me, this is one of those times because it's the only time in all of scripture where Jesus marvels at someone's faith. Now, there were a lot of times where Jesus marveled at their unbelief, but this is the only time in recorded scripture where Jesus marvels at someone's faith. As a matter of fact, he says the faith they displayed is great faith. And I believe in what this man said and what Jesus identified as great faith we have to come to understand if we also want to have that kind of great faith. So I want to just get into this story, and I want to just kind of unpack it for us tonight. I'm going to read this from two different accounts uh, in the New Testament because Matthew and Luke both offer some very different insights regarding the uh, healing. So Matthew chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles, great, open them up. If not, you can follow along with me on the screen. As Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to Jesus imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. That, that word, that phrase just jumped out at me as I was preparing this fearfully tormented. I've met people who are fearfully tormented. Sometimes it's not just the physical anguish, it's the mental, it's the emotional anguish that people are also dealing with in that. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just speak the word and my servant will be healed for I also am a man under authority. He said, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To this one, come, and he comes. To this one, do it, 
and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this centurion's response, he marveled. And he said to those who were following, truly I say to you, I have not found anyone with such great faith in all of Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, for it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Now I want to just read to you. Luke's account, chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. When Jesus had completed all his discourse in the hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum. And a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. When Jesus heard about this, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come. Now, this is the centurion. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, he is worthy for you to grant this to him. They're trying to convince Jesus. They're trying to just build a case as to why this centurion deserves Jesus to come and to do this healing miracle. He said, he loves our nation. He loves us Jewish people. He's not Jewish, but he loves us Jewish people. He even helped build our synagogue. Now, Jesus started on his way with him. And I want to tell you, that did not move the heart of Jesus at all. That made no difference to Jesus at all. And it's why I think Luke or Matthew just completely leaves it out. Jesus didn't need to be convinced. He didn't need somebody to build a case as to why this one deserved to be healed and that one didn't. Because Jesus longs to heal all and he does heal all who come to him. And Jesus started on his way with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authorities with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Now, it's important to note the main character in this healing miracle is not the sick slave who gets healed, but rather the focus is really on the centurion who comes on his behalf. Uh, again, I, I, I won't be able to get into all of this, but you'll, you kind of are left with Matthew's impression that it's the centurion himself that goes. And Luke says, no, no, it was those who were sent on his behalf. When you understand authority, you'll understand both accounts are true. And that will hopefully make more sense as, as you go on. Um, so what do we mean by a centurion? Well, a centurion uh, was probably a non-Jew, a Gentile, possibly a Roman. 
By virtue of being a centurion, this is a man who is over or is in charge of a hundred men. And that's where the centurion, the word centurion comes from, one over a hundred. Today, he would be something like maybe an army captain, and they would have some of the best men. These were some of the, these were the cream of the crop men in the Roman army. These, these guys, centurions, they were solid, they were stable, they were reliable, they were kind of the cement of the Roman army. So you've got good men here. And if you go through the New Testament on centurions, you'll find that there are quite a few of them and that most of them, if not all of them, have this very open, tender heart toward God. So this centurion is a Gentile and he's heard, obviously, stories about Jesus. Maybe he's heard stories regarding Jesus' healing miracles, uh, the stories of his teaching, And through that, he's just developed this enormous respect for Jesus. And I would would offer that there may be even an awe within him regarding Jesus. This centurion has probably put Jesus on the highest pedestal a Roman mind would be allowed to do. And I'm gonna suggest at this point, so ahead of time, the main thing that this man heard about Jesus was his authority. That was the biggest thing he understood about Jesus was he was a man who had authority. You'll remember in the New Testament after the miracles and after Jesus' teachings, oftentimes the one word that kept resurfacing over and over was his authority. The authority by which Jesus would cast out demons. The authority by which he spoke and taught. The authority by which he would do his wonders, his miracles, his signs. All of that spoke to his authority. And I suggest that that had come forefront in the attention of this centurion. This guy's a military man. He thinks in military terms. And and so through his training, this is a man who understood authority. And he seems to have understood what Jesus was all about better than those who were closest to him. Scripture says that this centurion had a servant at home and was very, very sick. And what's really odd and again speaks to the character of the centurion is that this slave was very dear to him. That's, that's not common. Back in those days, slaves were property. But here the centurion had a relationship with the slave to where this man was very near and dear to him. Again, it speaks to the quality of his heart. And Jesus responds by saying, I'm gonna come to your home, I'm gonna heal him. And the centurion tells Jesus, I am not worthy for you to even come under my roof, but if you'll just speak the word, I know my servant will be healed. And then the centurion said this, and I quote, says, for I too am a man under authority. That's what he's identifying with Jesus. 
He says, when it comes to authority, Jesus, I too, like you, you and I, we're a lot alike on this. I too, like you, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. I tell my slave, do this, and he does it. The centurion, again, he's saying to Jesus, I understand authority. I get this. You and me, we're a lot alike on this. We think along the same lines when it comes to authority. You got to hear this. Again, this is where I think one of the great keys of faith can be found. And that statement of the centurions I just quoted is what caused Jesus to turn and marvel at his statement. So much so, Jesus says, I haven't found anyone in all of Israel. He's not even an Israelite. He's not even a Jew. I had to go outside the nation of Israel, outside the Jewish race to find a man who exhibits this kind of faith. The statement that Centurion made is key to great faith. He said, let me read it again. I too. He says, Jesus, I recognize at a certain point, we're the same on, on this. You and I, mano, mano. We're the same. We get this. We're speaking the same language. I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And again, what this centurion said, it caused Jesus to marvel. There's gotta be a key here. What is it? And I'm convinced it was all about authority. The centurion talks about authority and Jesus says, that's great faith. So what is authority? The Greek word for authority is exousia. And that word in the Greek literally means to be out of yourself. Authority is when one person has delegated another to speak and to act in their place. If I give you authority, what I have done is I have come out of myself on a particular issue and I am giving you permission, authority to speak and to act on my behalf regarding this particular issue. If I've given you authority, I have come out of myself and into you, and you will now speak and you will now act on my behalf as if it were me acting. The closest thing we have to this in, in our culture today is a power of attorney. If I have delegated authority to you in a particular area regarding a particular matter, in that area, I have come out of myself and into you. And when you speak, it is as if I have spoken. When you act, it is as if I acted. Authority simply means a person has received, has been given permission they have been given the right, the authority to speak and to act on behalf of another, to interpret and to implement the mind, will, and agenda of the one who has given you the authority. 
Now, if I give you authority to go to a certain place, you go. But under my authority, it will be as if I am going myself. And, and that's why it made no difference. There's no discrepancy. When that centurion gave those slaves authority, they went and they spoke on his behalf. It, he understood authority. That's why Jesus marveled. It wasn't just his words. Jesus saw it in his actions. He sent servants to speak on his behalf. Jesus knew he wasn't just speaking to his slaves. He was speaking to the centurion himself. He wasn't just hearing from the slaves, the servants, the centurion sent on his behalf because they came in his authority. Jesus understood it's as if I'm hearing from the centurion myself. Do you understand that? That's why Jesus marveled. It wasn't just his words. It was like, this man actually backs up what he believes. So if I give you authority, I'm coming out of myself. I'm giving you permission to go and to speak and to act on my behalf. And you're going to do it in such a way it would be as if myself had gone. Then in that certain place, under those conditions, you must, this isn't an option, you must understand and implement my will, my mind, my agenda regarding whatever particular issue I have given you authority over. Does this make sense? You are going to go and you're going to do exactly as I would do if I were to go myself. You're going, to, you're going to do the job, but it's as if me doing it. You are going there to get my will, my mind, my agenda implemented. That's what authority, exousia, means. I am out of myself and into you, and you are now fulfilling my will, my mind, my agenda. You are now the enforcer of what I want done. Now, if you've heard and understood what I've said regarding authority, then it's extremely important. This is so critical. This is where, again, the word of God comes in. It's extremely important if you're gonna be under authority, especially God's authority, you better know what his mind, his will, and his agenda is. You have got to know the mind, the will, the agenda of the one who is enforcing you or giving you his authority. I have to know, if you're giving me authority to act on your behalf, I have to know your mind. I got to know exactly what is it that you want done, what don't you want done. What is your agenda, what's your thought, what are your feelings towards this? Now, at the heart of authority, you come to the idea of standing under authority. Now, hear me carefully on this. If I exercise authority, okay, it is because I, too, am under my superior who gave me that authority. Does that make sense? Okay, I stand, I'm in authority, but I'm also under Authority. I'm under the authority of the superior, the one who has delegated, the one who has given me that authority. And then I go out to fulfill 
their mind, their will, and their agenda regarding the matter for which they've given me authority for. I can't go out there and do my own thing. I can't go out there and, and present my own mind, my own will, my own agenda. I have to perfectly fulfill the mind, the will, and the agenda of the supervisor whose authority I have been delegated by. I just can't go out there and do what I want to do. I am under another's authority for the purpose, the sole purpose of specifically fulfilling their mind, their will, their agenda to do as my supervisor, the one whose authority I'm under, to say their words, to do their deeds. Are you with me? So the centurion had authority because he was under authority. Whose authority was the centurion under? Caesar's, wasn't he? Yeah, he's part of the Roman army. The centurion stands under his commander who stands under his commander who stands under his commander and you just go up the chain of command until you get to the top dog, Caesar. And there in Capernaum, this centurion must enforce. He's got to implement the mind, the will, the agenda of Caesar, the Roman Empire. So he's under authority in order to have authority. Again, this is what Jesus marveled at. If you're not under authority, you don't have authority. If you're not under another's authority, you're just doing your own thing. Now, I'll just give you a great example of this. Whenever I go into the prayer room, I'm the lead pastor here. Jim is the pastor of prayer. Whenever I go into the prayer room, I'm under his authority. If he would say to me, I don't want you to do that, I don't do it. If he says, I want you to do this, I do it. I go into the prayer room under that man's authority because I'm under authority of my heavenly father. So no one is immune from this. In order to have authority, you gotta be under authority. But if you're under authority, then you have what we call delegated authority. Now that means that this centurion speaks, okay, whatever he says, you're actually hearing If this centurion speaks, then way back there, you are actually hearing Caesar himself speak. If you mess with this centurion, guess what? You're not just messing with the centurion. You're messing with the whole Roman army, and you're messing with Caesar. And you better be careful, because if you don't do what he says, if you don't respond to what he's telling you to do, you're going to have the whole Roman army. You're going to have Caesar on your back. You're gonna know you've messed with the Roman Caesar because under authority means the person who sent me and gave me the authority stands behind me. This centurion, the whole Roman army, Caesar stood behind him, they had his back. And if anything went wrong, 
In the delegation of that centurion's authority, all the Roman army, Caesar was ready to step in and say, no, you don't. My will be done. So this centurion, he might be a puny guy. He might be really small, no muscles, maybe looks like a wimp. But I'll tell you what, when this centurion speaks, all the power of the Roman army stands behind him because he has authority. Now again, very important key to remember, to exercise authority then, you gotta know. It's imperative to know the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one who gave the authority. Can't just go out and do what I think needs to be done. To act in the authority I've been given, I've gotta know and understand the mind of the person who sent me. I gotta know their agenda. I gotta know the boundaries of my authority in order to speak or to act with authority. Authority, again, it brings great responsibility because when you're given authority, it's to be exercised, folks. This will make a little more sense here in just a moment. If you wanna get technical by definition, you don't possess authority, you exercise it. If you're a Roman centurion, you're not off duty. You can't wake up one day and say, oh, I don't feel like doing or enforcing Rome today. Today, the Jews can just do whatever they want. You can't. If you did, then the person who came out of themselves and into you has been thwarted. They're frustrated. If you do not represent the mind, the will, and the agenda in the area where you've been given authority, folks, the whole system breaks down. So with authority comes a great responsibility to do it. It means I gotta walk out and I gotta act as my supervisor. I gotta speak as my supervisor. And I gotta enforce the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one whose authority I am under. And so this, this centurion, he was obeyed, not be, and we said, when I say to this one, go, he goes. When this one come, he comes. This slave, do this, he does it. He wasn't obeyed because he was more powerful than all of the men, all those hundred men put together. They did what he told them, not because he was 10 feet tall, looking like Goliath. As I said, he could be a very small, puny, weak man, but he had authority. And they knew that in obeying him, doing what he wanted done, they were in essence obeying and doing what Caesar himself wanted done. And if they didn't obey him, they'd have to answer to Caesar. So do you hear now what this centurion was saying to Jesus that caused Jesus to marvel? He says, I am the presence of Rome. When I speak, Rome speaks. When I act, Caesar acts. I don't have to beg people to do what I tell them to do. I don't have to shout. I could move a whole nation with just this one word, do this, and my men will jump and do it. The centurion can send a message, and as long as it has his name attached to it, they jump. 
Now this centurion turns to Jesus and he says, I recognize Jesus, you're just like me in that way. You, Jesus, are here on this earth and you have been given delegated authority. And Jesus, I recognize that you are submitted to that authority, to that superior. Jesus, I recognize you are here to fulfill and to implement the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one whose authority you are under. And he said, Jesus, as I recognize that, I also understand that when you speak, Jesus, that's why he said, if you'll just speak the word, Whatever power it is behind sickness and disease, it obeys you. It does what you tell it to do because it knows it can't mess with you because it's not just messing with you. You have the whole host of heaven and you have your heavenly father standing behind you, ready to back you up. They got your back, Jesus. And that sickness, that disease, the power behind that knows they're not just messing with you. They're messing with heaven's armies. They're messing with God Almighty. You, Jesus, like me, you have and you operate under the authority of your superior. So this centurion, he recognized Jesus didn't come here to do his own thing. He didn't come here to speak his own words, to implement his own agenda, to do his own will. But Jesus came to fulfill someone else's mind, will, and agenda. Jesus was here to... And he said in John 4, 34, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And when Jesus speaks, God the Father backs him up and sickness and disease and demons have to obey him. That's why the centurion says to Jesus, just speak the word and it's over. Just speak the word and that sickness and that disease and the power behind that will have to obey you. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. If you've understood what I just said, if you, if you get a hold of this, you're gonna understand some of the secret and some of the power behind Jesus's ministry. And that's why I believe Jesus spun around and marveled. Jesus said, I've never met anyone before who has understood this as clearly as you. So what does the story say to us today? Well, I think it goes without saying, we need to understand authority and we need to start standing under authority. We, the church, the body of Christ, we have been given Authority. We have been commissioned. 
as we come under, as we stand under the authority of Jesus, we, the body of Christ, you and I have been given authority from Jesus. That is Jesus in giving you and I authority. You know what he does? He comes out of himself and into you and I by the power, the presence, the person of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we have been given authority to implement, to do the will, the mind, the agenda of the one whose authority we are under. That's why everywhere Jesus went and everyone was healed, we have that authority. Will we take it? Will we operate in it? Will we exercise it or are we just gonna possess it? Jesus has given to us exousia. Authority as we stand under his authority, we are the body of Christ and as such we express. We have that ability to be able to implement the mind, the will, and the agenda of Christ who in turn is under the authority of his heavenly father, expressing his will, his mind, his agenda. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. We know what his mind is. We know what his will is. We know what his agenda is. The word of God tells us what that is. We now can go out and enforce it. We're good at possessing it. But that's not what authority is. Authority is when we begin to exercise what we've been given. Jesus said, last verse of Matthew, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and upon earth. That pretty much covers everything. And then he says to us, the body of Christ, go therefore in that authority and preach the gospel. I, Jesus, as I have received authority, now you go. All of our enemies in the spirit world are stronger than us. Don't ever get this idea that the devil is just some weak, puny, blowhard. Satan is much stronger than us and all the malignant powers of darkness and evil are much stronger than us. But so what? We have authority. Do you understand that? Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, and he's speaking to us, the body of Christ. He said, I give you exousia, power, authority, dominion to trample on serpents and scorpions. And I give you exousia over all the power of the enemy. Jesus has given to us. He has come out of himself into us by the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he has given us authority over all the power of the enemy. That includes sickness and disease. But where has this authority to us been granted? It has been focused in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, for he has put all things under his feet. Every power, every principality, every ruler, every sickness, every disease has been put under the feet of Jesus. And because he is in us through the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we are in him, whatever is under his feet, beloved, is under our feet feet. Whatever he has victory over, we have victory over. 
In Luke chapter 10, I'm, I need to wrap up here. I'm just going to close with this. Luke chapter 10, Jesus gives us a very tangible demonstration of what this looks like. Jesus commissioned 70 of his disciples to go and to prepare the cities Jesus himself would later come to. And Jesus gives them instructions of what to do and what not to do. He's, he's giving them authority here. Now listen to what he says. Heal the sick that are there. He's giving them his mind, his will, and his agenda. Heal the sick that are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So he's delegated to them power over sickness and disease. Anyone you come across that's in need of healing, you heal them all. Verse 17 of Luke 10 says the 70 returned that he commissioned, that he gave authority. And with great joy they told Jesus, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Tonight, if you come up to get healed, and, and those of you that are gonna be doing ministry, this is so important. When you begin to attach to your prayers, when you begin to implement the mind, the will, and the agenda of our Heavenly Father, when you just simply say, in the name of Jesus, you are declaring where your authority has come from. You're identifying to every realm, to every principality, to every dominion, to every ruler, to every power of sickness and disease. You are declaring in the name of Jesus, this is by whose authority I stand. And you're not messing with me. You will do what I say to do, not because of me, but because of whose authority, whose name I come. And I come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Because of that, you will do what I say because I'm here to implement the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one whom I represent, who has given me that authority. Isn't that powerful? That is incredible. Like I said, folks, if we'll just, if we'll just not possess that, but just begin to exercise that, we're gonna start to see. We're gonna start to be struck with astonishment. This really works. This is so cool. Okay, worship team, we're ready. If you're here tonight and you, you need prayer for anything, healing, if you're just here and dealing with other issues of the enemy tonight, you're here tonight and maybe there's just some things going on in your life that are not at all in unity with the word of God. Maybe you're here tonight and you're just needing breakthrough on a promise of God tonight. We are here to take authority in that. Now those of you that are coming up to pray, this may be brand new for you. This may be the first time you've ever 
kind of stepped in and, and exercised this, this authority. Be okay with that. Be confident in that. Just understand, you're not stepping out alone. You're not acting alone on this. You've got all of heaven, and you've got your almighty God, heavenly Father, is ready to back up whatever you exercise here tonight in his authority, in his name. So I don't want you to be timid. You be bold as a lion tonight. And you take that authority and you just exercise it tonight. And don't, don't be worried. Don't be fearful of what, what you're going to say. Just ask God, God, tell me what your will, your mind, and agenda is in this particular situation. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And then you just take that authority. You exercise that authority. And if it's a mountain that needs to move, baby, that mountain's going to move tonight. Amen. Father, we just thank you. This is big stuff. This is the kind of stuff that caused Jesus to marvel. It's the kind of stuff, Lord, that we can be intimidated by. We can just simply take our place tonight. Just say, God, empower me to exercise the authority you have given me. For too long, the church has really kind of operated in a place of fear, of uncertainty, of unbelief. Maybe because we really don't know your mind, your will, and your agenda regarding healing or maybe a host of other issues. And so, Father, tonight I just pray, Lord, that you would just speak your word. That you would reveal your mind, your heart, your will, your agenda to us tonight. That, God, you would just speak that word over our situation, over our mountain, over our obstacle over our sickness, our disease. That, Father, you would speak the word over our poverty tonight. That, God, whatever word needs to be spoken over us tonight, God, that you would speak that word. That we would exercise the authority that comes with that word. So, Father, we just thank you. We ask, God, you would just begin to move in a powerful way tonight. Not just because of us, not just because we have that authority, but because all of heaven and you, almighty God, you stand, you got our back. We're not alone. So, Father, we just thank you. We just ask now that you would just come and have your way here tonight through us and as we exercise this authority that has been given to us in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So if you're here tonight and you just want healing, we're just going to ask you to come. If you're here tonight and want prayer for other things, we're just going to ask you to come. And so those of you, Jim, just invite those of you that want to pray uh, tonight for others. Again, don't be intimidated by this. Think, oh, I've, I've never heard this before. Just come tonight and just say, you know what? I'm just going to be confident 
in who I am and what I've been given tonight. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.